Before we begin, just a quick language warning for the second half of this episode. I'll give you another warning before it comes on, so even if you'd like to give that part a miss, you can still enjoy the first half of this episode. On with the intro. Hello, welcome to episode 10 of All Songs Are Love Songs, in which I, Rowan, do my best to convince you, and our resident judge Erica, that all songs ever written qualify as love songs. In each episode, guests bring songs as evidence to prove me wrong. In this episode, Matt Eastwood is back. Gibberish, really. I don't see there's any connotation how it could be a love song. And first-time guest, Randy Holland. Hanging out on uh, love seats, eating grapes with the Vikings. That's all coming up in this episode. So, let's step back into the courtroom. All songs, all songs. Yes, I am ready. I am Russian. All right. (laughs) All right. Back in the courtroom with Judge Erica presiding. Yes. Welcome, gallery, defense, prosecution, birds. I don't know. It's an open air court today. Welcome. And (laughs) in for the prosecution today, we have Randy of New Challenger. Randy, how are you today? Great. Thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. Thank you. And uh, please tell the court what expertise you are bringing to the courtroom today. Very little. But uh, <laughs> lots of passion. Oh, passion. Passion gets you points in Erica's courtroom. I'll take it. And Randy, what song have you brought for judgment today? I have chosen The Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin. Oh, what an excellent choice. The court is intrigued. Mm, love it. Uh, Randy, as the prosecution, please, would you tell the court why the immigrant song is not a love song? Right off the top, we're talking about Viking conquests. Of all the bands of brothers that we've heard of from our early days as humans, Vikings have a reputation as not being lovers. No, they did procreate, but there's no talk of uh, Roman baths and hanging out on uh, love seats, eating grapes with the Vikings. It's all about war and pillage. So that's why I felt like this did not reflect a love song. Very interesting, Randy. Mm -hmm. Do you rest your case? At this point, yes, I do. Rowan, as the defense... Please, would you enlighten us why this is, in fact, a love song? I would love to. Thank you so much. And thank you, Randy, for bringing this one. I absolutely love this song. Uh, It's written in 1970 during Led Zeppelin's tour of Iceland, Bath and Germany. It begins with that staccato guitar riff, and Robert Plant's distinctive cry that, wow! Uh, A phrase from this song became the title of Stephen Davis's biography of the band Hammer of the Gods, The Led Zeppelin Saga. The lyrics and music are credited with inspiring some of the classic heavy metal imagery, the mythical Viking warrior type striding off an adventure and war. Uh, The inspiration for the look and and the music of bands like Iron Maiden. Uh, In fact, Zeppelin, alongside Black Sabbath and Deep Purple, are some of the most famous pioneers of metal music, Uh, leading the way for Alice Cooper, Kiss, Aerosmith, Van Halen, 
which sort of morphed into glam metal of the 80s with Bon Jovi and Motley Crue. This is not about this song. This is just a bit of background in case there are people who are not familiar with the song or the band. Uh, just a quick note, uh, Immigrant Song is not about the kind of immigrant that Judge Erica is applying to become in Australia, nor the sort that we often hear off the news these days. According to its composers and also plain in the lyrics, they're talking more of the Marco Polo or Viking adventure style immigrant. Yeah. So let's talk about this song. This song appears in the movie School of Rock. Led Zeppelin have a reputation for not letting people use their songs, but they allowed this one in the movie after Jack Black made a video of himself singing it for an audience and begging them to give them permission. Uh, I'm just going to play you a very, very brief moment from that video. Let me know if you can hear this okay. One time. I just want you one time to repeat after me. Lords of Rock Led Zeppelin! Grace us with your mighty love! Grace us with your mighty love! Wow. Yes. Because oh. Led Zeppelin were pioneers and they were full of passion and passion gets you points in this courtroom. So, and they did. This is a love song, not about Vikings, but about Iceland specifically, Iceland and its mythology. Yes, it's all about the Viking adventures, the Norse, Norse mythology, ships to new lands, Valhalla, hot springs, midnight sun, that battle cry. Ah! It just demonstrates a love of history and mythology very clearly. These are lyrics from people who've read up in their subject, devoted time and energy to learning about the place that they were visiting. Some love songs are about people, some are about places. Half My Heart is in Havana, Viva Las Vegas, Home Among the Gum Trees. So this 1972 <laughs> was the turning point of the band's fame and Iceland was a huge part of that. Robert Plant, the lead singer, in an interview described a strike by civil servants almost leading to the Iceland gig being canceled, but the young people pulled together to make it happen. In his words, the response from the kids was remarkable and we had a great time. Immigrant Song was about that trip. Minutes later in the interview, he also jokes about the possibility of a bunch of paternity suits from Iceland in the future. Not only did they love the country, they loved a few of its inhabitants in particular. Now, some love songs say the words, I love you. Others simply show it. If I wrote a song that didn't mention Erica specifically by name, but described her in great detail and in words of obvious affection, that would clearly be a love song. That's what this song does. They'd just met and fallen in love with Iceland and Icelandic history. The band was on the rise, they were being treated by rock stars, and they loved it so much that they immediately wrote a song about Iceland and its history and mythology. And immediately, by the way, no exaggeration, they were inspired in Iceland and they debuted the song less than a week later on the same tour. Lead singer Robert Plant recently performed the song live for the first time since 1996. Why? Because he was back in the land of ice and snow. And after he sang it, he thanked the crowd of Iceland for inspiring the song. So just as Elvis loved Vegas and Camila Cabello loves Havana, this is a song entirely and enthusiastically about a beloved place. No gum trees. Instead, this is the land of ice and snow. The lyrics clearly tell us that they fell in love with Iceland. And this is their love song. I rest my case. All songs are love songs. All songs are love songs. All songs are love songs. Well, defense. That was quite the argument. I did get lost somewhere around Norse mythology and started picturing the Icelandic elves, but I think that I found my way back to your point <laughs> in the end. Randy, as the prosecution, you are now entitled to 30 seconds of rebuttal time. Would you like to use that now? 
Yes, please. Now, their appreciation for the land of ice and snow may be one thing, but the Vikings came from lands far away and did not come with love in their hearts. They came with death and destruction, and they came to conquer and pillage, not grow some fantastical Norse mythology of enjoyment for the people of Iceland. Now, they may have been inspired by these fjords and the idea of heating the house from the ground steam that Iceland presents, but they were not interested in creating communities and growing the wealth of Iceland. They were interested in taking it away, along with all the babies that were born in Iceland after Robert Plant visited as well. (laughs) (laughs) So it may be something of a, a stretch for you to feel like there was love in the hearts of Iceland upon the Vikings' arrival, but I don't see it. I rest my case. Thank you very much, Randy and Rowan. Gallery, these have been very many powerful arguments here today. Um, Randy, I am inspired by uh, your feelings that the Vikings' intentions were not good and were not love-based or romantic. However, Rowan has swayed me that Robert Plant and Led Zeppelin's intentions were indeed romantic. Therefore, this is a love song. Curses. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Your Honor. Yeah, way to get into the Vikings, guys. <laughs> Looks like Gods of Rock Led Zeppelin graced more than just the movies with their mighty love. Before we move on to our second challenge, a quick reminder that the song we're about to discuss is filled with curse words and expletives. Excluding anything racist or homophobic, basically the rest are in there. If that's not for you, I'll give you a brief and clean recap on the next episode. Otherwise, foul language is imminent as we dive right into challenge number two. All right, I'm good, I'm good. All right, we are back in the courtroom with another challenge with Judge Erica presiding. Yes, hello, welcome. Gallery, defense, prosecution, welcome to the court. And today, returning as our prosecution, we have Matt Eastwood. Matt, how are you feeling today? Uh, not too bad, not too bad. How are you, Your Honor? I'm excellent, thank you for asking. Thanks. And sorry, my dog's just started crying next to me. <laughs> oh, puppy. Oh, hey, dog. Go lie down, good boy. And what song have you brought to argue today? Well, this one might need a little disclaimer at the start, but it's uh, Family Reunion by Blink-182. Wow. Yes. (laughs) Eric, are you familiar with this song? Oh, I live for Blink-182. <laughs> Excellent. Blink-182 and the Bloodhound Gang are my boys. Nice. <laughs> All right. What an excellent song choice today, Matt. As the prosecution, I would uh, invite you to begin. Please tell the court why this is not a love song. Well, I mean, if, if anyone's actually heard the song that's listening, uh, which I'm sure they'll hear the snippet that you just played, it's basically just profanity for four bars, and then uh, at the end it just says, I fucked your mum. Now, I know the defence might try to argue that, you know, 
sex is love, but uh, I mean, not always. This song is basically just a sung through version of uh, George Carlin's dirty words routine, shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker and tits, but with fart, turd and twat added. So I don't, it's, it's more just gibberish really i don't see there's any connotation how it could be a love song i don't see how there's 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 not really any music behind it to sort of back it up that's come from any previous songs that i know of that were love songs in all honesty i just think it's a fun gibberish song that they used to sing at the end of their concerts the defense oh no you're the defense sorry Defense rests. Yes, yes. So you haven't even had your argument yet, but the defense rests. Um, <laughs> I am resting right now. <laughs> uh, the prosecution rests. That's what I wanted to say. Thank so you just... very much, Matt. Uh, Rowan, please tell the court why this is a love song. Thank you very much, Judge Erica. I would love to. Family Reunion, a beautiful title for the love song by Blink182. Shit, piss, fuck, cunt. Cocksucker, motherfucker, tit, fart, turd, and twat. Just a quick history of the song. I'll, I'll, be, I'll try and be quick. These are just uh, facts that are background for anyone that is unfamiliar with the band or with the song. So Blink-182 formed in California in 1992. They're famous for high-energy live shows and toilet humour. The band played a huge role in the development of pop punk in the 90s. Original name of the band was just Blink, but then uh, they had a little legal battle with an Irish band of the same name, so they added a random number. This song, Family Reunion, is only 36 seconds long. Recorded in 1999, a favourite at live shows, as Matt very rightly points out. Consists of repeated curse words. They literally could have been arrested if they'd performed this in the 70s. Uh, at surface level, it appears random and made up, just to be provocative. As, as the uh, prosecution said, he called it just profanity, gibberish, which actually dismisses the truth, which is much, much deeper. This is an homage song. A love song comparable to Nat King Cole's classic Mona Lisa. Do you smile to tempt a lover, Mona Lisa? Nat King Cole was inspired by the art of another artist. He transported that original artwork into song form as a clear token of his admiration for Da Vinci and his best-known work. The song Mona Lisa, obviously a love song to Leonardo Da Vinci and his iconic painting. And Family Reunion by Blink-182 is a love song to an artist and that artist's best-known work. You might have recognised the lyrics, not random at all. The order of them, in fact, tells us exactly where the song is, where it originated, which Matt also very rightly pointed out comes from George Carlin, but he's really underplayed the importance here. Uh, I'm just going to play you a very, very brief snippet of George Carlin on stage in 1972 doing his routine. Let me see if you recognise the words here. Oh. Could you hear that all right? Yes, yep. indeed. Thank you. Okay, so that's George Carlin. Now, so this is a... That is Exhibit A. Exhibit A is George Carlin in 1972 on stage saying the exact words of this song in exact order. Okay, so that's where the song comes from. It's a love song to comedian and author George Carlin, an homage to Carlin's best-known work of art, a comedy routine titled Seven Words You Can Never Say on Television, and he then added three more. So they, it wasn't even Blink-182. George Carlin also did the last three words. And those words, shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, tits, fart, turd, fart, and Fart, turd, and fart, yes. There we go. Uh, Blink-182 used the exact same, or, exact same words in the exact same order for the lyrics of this homage. 
even including what Carlin called the three auxiliary words to fill out the song's rhythm, and the occasional Blink-style flourish endings such as I Fucked Your Mom. Blink-182 are no strangers to comedy. They know exactly what they're doing here. They appeared on Mad TV in a 2001 comedy sketch called Leave It to Blink-182. They know all about comedy. George Carlin is a legend of the performing arts and is often cited as an influence and inspiration to performers in stand-up comedy and acting. His routine, as the title suggests, is a hilarious dissection of the censorship of public broadcasting and discourse in the United States. And when George Carlin started doing his routine in 1972, he was at the forefront of pushing against censorship, fighting for freedom of expression, the ability to use those words in public. He was even arrested for performing his routine. His monologue, containing and focusing on the words that make up this Blink-102 song, was played on the radio and then subsequently became the subject of a legal battle that went all the way to the Supreme Court. They didn't know then that it was going to come all the way to the judge, court of Judge Erica. But at that time, it was regarding standards of decency in broadcasting. So what better reason for Blink-182, with their fame for, for profanity and toilet humour, what better reason for them to adore Carlin and wish to both emulate and elevate his famous routine? Set it to music and bring it to a whole new generation. Their toilet humour and crass lyrics are only possible because of people like George Carlin, pushing against the establishment for the right to speak freely. So Blink-182 is only possible thanks to George Carlin and others like him. In gratitude and admiration for his contribution, Blink allowed George's seven dirty words routine to transcend stand-up comedy, reach a new adoring generation of free spirits through song, making this 36-second ditty a clear homage and definite love song. I rest my case. All songs and love songs. All songs and love songs. All songs. Wow. Can, I, can I marry your brain? <laughs> no. Overrule. <laughs> Matt, as yes. a prosecution, you are now entitled to 30 seconds of rebuttal. <laughs> Would you use that now? Yes, yes, I will use my 30 seconds uh, to agree with Rowan's uh, <laughs> homage to George Carlin. The first. I, uh, no, but, but, you know, I, I, I honestly thought you were going to go down the I fucked your mum path and I thought, mm, well, that's that's not love. I, uh, you know, I've said that to my stepsons when they said, what did you do last night, your mum? So I agree. <laughs> <laughs> this has never happened in the court of Erica. This is a first time occurrence. This court is taken aback, but impressed with the strength of the defense's argument. <laughs> Uncontested uh, for all the reasons that we have heard here today. Rowan, Matt, family reunion is in fact a love song. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'll allow it. Wow. Well argued. <laughs> wow. That I can't believe I won you over. <laughs> Hats off. Hats off. Yeah, you you, you the, yeah. your description was longer than the song by at least five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I've made some decent arguments on previous episodes, but never before have we had the prosecution fully change their position. And who knew that song had such depth behind it? Thank you all so much for listening, and a big thanks to Judge Erica and both of our wonderful guests. If you'd like to hear some of Matt's original music, you can find him on ReverbNation.com by searching for Matt Eastwood. Ratings and reviews are always helpful if you find time, and we look forward to seeing you back in the gallery of Judge Erica's courtroom in the next episode. 